Hello everyone and welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast Season Number 4. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today wherever you are right now in this crazy world. I am your host, Robbie Cox. Now before we get into today's very special guest, I just wanted to let all our loyal listeners out there know that we have started our own line of merchandise for the podcast, now on sale right now. The original tees are out there. It's the OTB Crew line. Uh, we have many, many other clothing items coming your way, including hoodies, singlets, even socks. But for right now, we have the OTB Crew original tee available for purchase on our website. So please make sure you click on the link tree in our bio. Follow that link to our website to purchase yours today as well as being an awesome t-shirt which it definitely is it's equally as important because it's another way to support the podcast that you guys are loving each and every week we deliver all over the world so yes even our listeners in the usa or the uk can get their hands on some merch so what are you waiting for Jump on our Insta page right now, follow the link tree to our website and purchase an OTB Crew original tea today to become a part of the crew. But that's it. It's enough selling for one show. It's time to crack on with the show. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Four men starting to go. Joining me today on the show from Italy is a five-time Olympian. Yes, you heard me right. That is a five-time Olympian representing her country of Jamaica. She's a world record holder, a world champion, and she is currently over in Naples competing in season three of the ISL for her team and my favorite team, the London Raw. It's a massive welcome for the first time to Off the Block Swing podcast to Alia Atkinson. Alia, how are you going? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mate, not a trouble at all. It's uh, it's good to have you on. You guys, every time I'm speaking to you guys over there in Italy, I get just a little bit jealous because obviously you're, you're, it's a nice warm weather. It's great food over there. You guys have, are enjoying yourselves as much as you're enjoying the racing as well. Um, obviously, we'll get to the, the action in the pool at the moment, but what's the atmosphere been like over there away from the pool? It looks like the perfect competition to follow up what was a massive Olympic preparation. It is really great, especially um, just visiting all the history in Italy, um, getting to see Pompeii and the Capri Islands um, and just everything that Italy has to offer. I think it's one, a great vacation spot post Olympics <laughs> and two, um, a great way just to start back uh, the training in a, in a great atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I think I've been speaking to a lot of London Raw team members. Obviously, as I said, I'm a big London Raw fan, so I'm biased and I try and get most of the London Raw team on the podcast. But um, yeah, everyone's enjoying themselves over there. And, and we'll get to the ISL sort of action in a minute, but I, I don't want to get away from, well, I don't have you for that long today. So I want to make sure we touch quickly on, on the Olympic Games. It was just over eight weeks ago now. 
in Tokyo. It was such an amazing mm. event. And I mentioned it. This was your fifth Olympic Games, which is just crazy to me. First of all, congratulations on joining, you know, a very elite group of people that have competed in five Olympic Games. How much did you enjoy your time in the pool over in Tokyo at your fifth Games? I enjoyed it a lot. Um, every Olympics is kind of a different experience. Uh, I think for this one, it was more of coming full circle. Um, not just see what I could do in the pool, but just enjoy it. I think for the first time, I actually sat back and enjoyed it and swam just to swim. And it was truly something fantastic. How much of the enjoyment is also out of the pool over there as well? As I said, this is your fifth game. So there's a lot of people that you would have been around before. You're getting to see familiar faces. As you said, you're feeling a lot more comfortable by this stage. And also just give us an insight outside of the pool. What was it like? This is a games, you, you're probably the best person to answer this, having this been your fifth game. This is a games like no other. What, what was that like outside of the pool? Honestly, it was truly fantastic how the the Japanese volunteers stepped up. You would never believe any animosity or anything regarding the athletes or anything. All the, the, the media attention that we heard before coming in, we didn't feel any of that in the village. Um, everybody was just very eager to help. They were smiling every day and just bubbly and enthusiastic. And that's really a testament to the Japanese culture. I really have to give it to them because I don't think I don't think that many countries could have done it in a pandemic with what was going on in the world. Um, it would have been my favorite Olympics if we left the village, but that being said, um, it was really a great Olympics, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of the, the Japanese culture and the people. I saw a lot of videos from all sorts of different teams over there when they're on buses going and traveling to and from, um, you know, sort of um, pools and stuff like that with all the, the kids and the people on the streets with signs saying good luck and things like that. Mm -hmm. in, a, in a competition where we didn't get to see a lot of crowds, they really made you guys feel welcome and as if people were there helping you and supporting you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They're truly fantastic. Yeah. Now, you know, just one four-year Olympic preparation is a massive effort for anyone. This, as I said, after five mm -hmm. years, it's 20, 21 years really of training because we're adding an extra year with a COVID bloody break, which would have just must have been killing you. Like, I'm going my fifth <laughs> as if this isn't hard enough and then you're adding another year. You know, so much training, commitment, sacrifice. It, it is honestly really incredible. Give us an insight into what keeps you hungry and motivated to keep pushing your limits because to me it's a, it's an inspiring story thank you um i think my first two was my first three actually was just the accumulation of swimming in school um just something that i did and i got better as i went along um 2016 was really the first professional um alia that was participating uh, it was solely just swimming and seeing what i could do in the sport and I think after that, that's when the mental fatigue hit because um, it was more like 2017, what am I going to do? Am I still swimming? Trying to redefine myself, trying to figure out what I'm still hungry for um, and looking at the four years and saying, oh, my word, can I do it? Yeah. And then 2019, really just readjusting that mindset and being, OK, let's do it. One year, let's go. <laughs> and then 2020 hit. I'm like, oh, 18 months more. <laughs> OK. Um, and it was great because I heard so many other athletes having that same mental um, fatigue, um, just breaking down and wondering what they can do and what we can do. And I've seen many people retire that year, actually, too. Um, so it's good that I think my success was continuing uh, with a perseverance just to continue um, and seeing what I could do.
Yeah, no, mate, it's great. And as I said, I think you guys get set apart from a lot of other people. As an Aussie, I know we obviously had Emily Seabomb and, and Kate Campbell going to their fourth Olympics mm -hmm. and things like that. I think you guys just sort of separate from from a lot of others because that's that's a lot of, as I said, um, time, energy, commitment, sacrifice that uh, I think puts you in a, a, a category all of your own. Now, I told you I'm going to try and get through as many of these questions as I can, but I can't go past one. I saw you majored in psychology at college. What was that like? Because I, I yeah. love psychology. I find it really interesting. And is that something, any interest in pursuing sort of that avenue after swimming? So in 2012, I had that, um, my idea was to be a child psychologist. So I really wanted to venture into that. Um, but with World Cups coming along and now the ISL, it was, it pushed me more into the professional career. Um, so that academic side kind of just <laughs> filtered down. Um, so whether I continue in it after I retire, possibly. Um, it is something I'm still very interested in, just looking at people and observing and just wondering what what makes the mind tick. Um, it is something I'm really fascinated with. Does it help you with your own swimming? Does it help you to assess and evaluate yourself and just sort of take stock sometimes? You know, quite often we can sort of catch ourselves in a bit of a loop or in a bit of a rut, can't we? But, I mean, you've studied it, so you have a bit of knowledge behind that as well. Does that help you? Yeah. It does. It does. Um, I wish you could say that I was better at it, but I still fall for the same traps like everybody else. Um, I do know when it's happening, but I think the main thing is knowing how to get out of it. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that we learn with experience and just maturity in the sport. What are those signs for you? I mean, I could give you the signs for me about being in a rut, but nobody cares what, what, what my signs are about when I'm falling into a hole in life. For Alia Atkinson, <laughs> what, what are the certain sort of uh, markers that you pick yourself on me? Oh, okay, if I'm going down here, I know I need to straighten back up. What, what do you yeah. go through? Yeah. Well, one, I'm a, I'm a very stubborn athlete. Um, so usually I'm very hard to, to find contentment. Um, usually when I swim, I usually pick apart the different parts of the races and I'm like, well, I could have done that better. Or I could have done this better. And it makes me get stuck in my head a lot. Um, and I think as I matured and got older, it's more of coming out of my head than keeping it inside. Um, so when I feel myself doing that, I have to look at the positives of the race, not just the negatives, um, and just slowly give myself maybe that warm down and then let it go. Um, so I think that's the main one that I've learned throughout the years. Um, two is social media, not a fan during like coming up to major competitions. It just feeds you with the wrong negativity. <laughs> yeah. um, but once again, you have to, it's trial and error. So it works for some people and it works for not, um, not for others. Um, yeah. And it's, it's learning what, what mental state you're in before a race, um, if you're more agitated and nervous, it's trying to get yourself out of it, either by listening to music or talking to people, or if it's just you're really focused and you just want to stay by yourself and focus, you need to realize the two um, and not feed into the nervousness and anxiety. I think that social media stuff is so important and it is so hard, like even myself with the podcast and there's so much work mm -hmm. that goes into posting and making sure you prep this and prep that. And there's times I'm just like, I could not be asked, to be honest. I'd rather just <laughs> be with my daughter and go out to a park or do something. But it, it's such a necessary yeah. evil, isn't it? Because if we're not doing it, then we're not promoting our, our sponsors and all that sort of stuff. And, and it is yeah. important. So it's, it's, it's important, sorry, to find that balance, isn't it? It is, it is, especially with just generation. Oh, if I, if I grew up in this generation, I would have, I don't know what would have happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, last year when you had to do school at home and you had Netflix too. 
Yeah, no. That was a rough one. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I struggled just going to school myself. So if, if it mm. was, if I was doing school on zoom, there would definitely be many times my, my, um, you know, camera would accidentally be turned <laughs> off and uh, like, where's he gone? And I don't, I don't know. And he's just back outside doing something. God knows what. So, yeah, I take my hat off to the kids these days, especially I'm a coach myself. So a lot of, you know, my kids are, are doing, you know, their, their high school stuff and things like that. And it's, it's, it really is difficult. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Let, let's get to your mention there when you were growing up. Um, yeah. and, and there's a list of accolades and quite honestly, I've got you for about half an hour, but we could be here all night if we were going to go through you know, your career and everything you've, you've accomplished. So I just picked out a few things and I'm just going to throw these events at you and then you give yeah. me your best memories either in or, or out of the pool. So the first one okay. is Athens 2000 Olympics. Xin Yao Ming, um, the Chinese uh, basketball player. Um, it was just so fantastic growing up and just seeing like somebody on TV like that and then going to actual um, going to the Olympics and seeing him in person in the line for the canteen. Oh, my word. I went up to like maybe his waist. <laughs> I was like, this is so And then when I came out, I saw um, the Williams sisters and I was just like, where am I? These are the top athletes in the world. Like, what am I doing here? And that, that was actually my fondest memories. Yeah, well, especially like, you know, for me, like that's my prime in terms of my, you know, youth growing up, like that 2004 age group, like you were around for me, absolute superstars, taking nothing away from the athletes today because, mm -hmm. but the, you know, they're someone else's role models. I had so many role models, so mm -hmm. I don't blame you. I would have been like, you're just looking around like, bloody hell, there's, anyway, like hey, there's Ian Thorpe. What's Ian Thorpe? Look, look how tall yeah. how big his feet are. My God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Inga de Bruyne and just like so many superstars. Yeah. Jeez. Mate, the next one's London 2012 Olympics. Actually, tying for a swim off um in all my olympics i've never seen that happen before and it was more of i gave myself uh, a really bad well not bad i gave myself a lot of pressure yeah. um because the most i've been to is semi-finals before so i told myself if i don't come top three i'm going to retire after 2012 mm. and i end up coming fourth um so it was more of just like oh i'm not done yet okay <laughs> i'm not where i'm supposed to be but i'm not done yet um, and just to fight for that swim off through it, it was just like, okay, I really have to fight for this. Well, mate, thank God you did because we're about to get to some some great accolades in the years to come. So oh, I'm glad <laughs> you I'm glad you did. And that was a big moment for you, though, wasn't it? Coming fourth in an Olympic final, that that was massive. Yeah, yeah that skyrocketed. Um, two sponsors that are still with me today: um, Grace Kennedy Money Services in Jamaica and uh, Speeda International, and they've stayed with me throughout the whole thing. So I mean, without them, I don't know how I would have stayed in the sport. Yeah, it was a massive effort. What about 2014 short course world champs in Doha? Oh, that's when I learned the social media bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really excited. I was doing World Cups for two years now. So I was getting a little bit better in the short course. And I remember looking on social media just because I was anxious and I just wanted a distraction. And I remember seeing so many people be like, oh, these people are going to win. These people are going to win. And everybody's just predicting this and this and this. And I was here looking for something. And not one person mentioned me. I was like, okay, you know what? And then all the way at the bottom, I saw somebody write, you know what? The dark star, the dark horse in the race is going to be Atkinson. Mm. And it was a simplest thing because my parents and my coaches tell me all the time. But it's when somebody outside that you don't know, it yeah. just gave me that little inspiration be like, Alia. 
if nobody else is rooting for you, you should be rooting for yourself, at least. Yeah. And that really just changed my mentality to be like, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go for it. Um, and lo and behold, that was my first world championship medal, um, gold, and I tied the world record. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll, you'll obviously, you'll notice these and the listeners obviously will get these listening to your answers, but you'll notice mm -hmm. I've picked out some really important dates in your swimming career. Yeah. And the next one is especially important. 2016 Swimming World Cup in Tokyo. Oh, my second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So my, co my trainer, actually, he said, you know what, everybody can do it once. That's just luck. But true skill, you have to do it twice. <laughs> So funny enough, in Paris earlier that year, 2016, I actually tied the world record again, the same time in the 100. Um, so this time I'm like, you know what, I want a world record for myself. Um, so that next couple um, meets, it was just working on that 50, 50, 50, 50, because I was pretty close. And by Tokyo, I actually broke the world record in the 50th, and I have two. Absolutely. What what sort of um, recognition did you get from that at home for, for being a world record holder in the pool? What did you did you know? Was that sort of another stepping stone for you, creating awareness about you know swimming in your own country? And I'm not being sort of silly about this. I know people in Jamaica can swim. So, but in terms of but in terms of that sort of uh, level of um, you know yeah. uh, media yeah. coverage and all that sort of stuff, you're sort of putting swimming on the map. No, it's true. Um, over my years, I've seen the awareness of water safety um, increase. I've seen more parents actually proactively getting their kids in the water, maybe not just for swimming, but just for learning. Because um, I always believe swimming should be a life skill, not just a sport. 100%. Um, so over the years, we've definitely increased the number of people in the pool. Um, my hopes was that throughout my years, I would have seen it at least tripled. Uh, we're not there yet. So hopefully um, when I take a step back, I can do more stuff behind behind the scenes to increase that. But as for representation, I think I've done I've done a lot um, for the sport. Um, I'm waiting for that 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 well, baton to change yeah. <laughs> so somebody else can be Um But yeah, I think the world records really just it it defined that I wasn't just here for like a, a leaf in the wind. I'm not just here and then I'm gone. I made sure my uh, my name and Jamaica swimming was put down in the history books um, and that we have recognition that we can succeed if we just try. 100%. May you touch on something I find interesting there. Do you have interest in getting involved in the swimming and then the sort of things like that in Jamaica and helping to raise awareness and drive the next generation coming through when you sort of have enough time on your plate? Because obviously you're very busy now, but when that time comes in your career, are you keen to get amongst that? Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to um, next year. I'm planning on running for the FINA representative. Um, and with that platform, hopefully we can see a change, not just in Jamaica, but in the Caribbean as well. Yeah. Um, maybe we can see more of the minorities coming out in the sport um, and just making sure that we have a, a, a level a level field. I know we all don't have the finances or the equipment or anything like that. But um, when a guy from Sierra Leone comes to me and say he learned to swim in the rivers and now he's at world championships, I was just like... Look what you have to do to reach here. You are fantastic. Now let's yeah. make sure the next person is a little bit easier, but yeah. still keep the passion on the flame. Absolutely, mate. Well, good luck with that. And I, I hope you do get into it. I think you'll do some amazing things. The last one I've got for you is the 2018 Swimming World Cup in Budapest. 
Oh, <laughs> that took a while. <laughs> um, yes, that one was really special to me um, because 2016, I think for sure, course was my best um, fittest time. Um, I was on the world record times pretty pretty successfully for almost every meet. Mm. Um, and 2017, I kind of faltered a little bit. Um, 2018 was a bit rough as well. I wasn't nearly as close. And out of nowhere, Budapest comes and I broke the world record in the 50. And it was, it was one of those things where I was getting anxious again and be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Oh, am I going to retire and not be close again? And it was just learning what my triggers are and be like, take a step back. Who cares? You're having fun in Budapest. You're going to swim your best. And whatever your best is, that's what's going to happen. Um, and that was it. It was just that calm and that relief that I needed. And lo and behold, I broke it. And I was so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, for all the listeners out there by this stage, you know, if, if, you ha if you didn't know Ali Atkinson before listening to this conversation, you'll clearly work out that she is a, a super fast 50 metre breaststroker because she's a <laughs> world record holder. What are your keys to swimming a really, really fast 50 metre breaststroke? <sighs> you know, I want to say it's that the dive is always efficient. You need to have make sure you have a great reaction start the dive and make sure your stroke count is on point to make sure you get that good turn. Um, Cause if it's a little bit too slow or if you're lunging to the wall, or if you're too short, it's going to mess up that turn. Um, but as I've learned throughout the years, it's really where you are. You have to accept where you are in your program and just do the best with what you're doing. Um, Cause sometimes in the beginning of my program, I'm more 200 pace mm. and that does not help me for the 50. <laughs> so I elongate and I glide too much and I just don't have the speed. So you really have to work with where your body is. And I think for the 50, it's just maximizing where your body is um, and accepting it. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the start. I mean, if you're not getting a great start in a 50-meter breaststroke, you're, you're definitely up against it at that point. But no, great advice there. And as I said, for anybody out there um, listening, yeah, Alia is a super, super fast 50 and 100-meter breaststroke, short course swimmer. So uh, definitely one to, to learn from. Now, I want to get to the ISL before we finish here because we've spoken a lot and I haven't even got to the ISL yet. Uh, season three kicked off, eight matches in. Um, the Roar have been in action, especially I think the last couple of days. You just finished match number eight and, and just finished mm. second. I want to get to that in a second with this bloody jackpot mm. stuff. I'm not really a big fan of it, but anyway, we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. How excited are you to be racing again? And was it easy to get back up and race after Tokyo? Or as we touched on earlier, has the atmosphere made it a bit easier? The atmosphere definitely made it a bit easier. Um, knowing that everybody's coming off of a little break and so everybody's a bit rough definitely helps because you don't feel like you're alone you don't say okay i'm not feeling so great you know that everybody else isn't feeling so great yeah um so i think that's what's great about isl it's not your times it's just the points um so it's just making sure that you touch the people beside you um and you do it fast enough to get as much jackpot 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 points <laughs> for your team um and yeah it's just getting up and going have you, how have you assessed your performances so far in season three? Pretty good. Um, I think I'm around where I was in season two. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to work down to closer towards my, my world record times by um, Eindhoven. Um, but yeah, I think where I am right now is in a good place where I can learn and still grow um, in the sport. But 
fine tune, I guess. Fine tune it. Not like Guido, who's like on point every single time. <laughs> well, that, I'm really excited actually once we get through to see semis and finals because I, I do think actually this competition is going to sharpen people up and I think we're going to see some really, really fast times come finals time. So I'm excited yeah. for that for your team and, and my favorite team, the London Raw. Uh, how much do you mm -hmm. enjoy being a part of the Roar and, and what do you enjoy specifically about it? Is it just a great team atmosphere, very encouraging? What are you enjoying most? Um, it really, oh my word, it's a great atmosphere. Um, it's weird because it changes every year. Um, so I got used to a lot of the UK swimmers last year mm. and now they're gone. <laughs> so it's just getting used to the new team and then just building them all into the Roar and the ideology of the Roar. Um, and just seeing where everybody fits. I think everybody definitely has a place and it's just knowing what it is. And it takes a couple of weeks to figure that out. But once you get rolling, I think we're, uh, we're pretty unstoppable. I saw the boys uh, dyed their hair, mate. Did you get in, did you get excited about that? Did you look at that and go, actually, do you know what? That orange is a great color. I, I might dye my hair too. <laughs> I thought about it for next year because with the chlorine, it's going to end up probably green. And I'm not about that. Yeah, no, uh, I told you, I was talking to Kyle the other night and he's he went out with Zach and obviously got his hair done, you know, really mm. slick and, and blonde and it mm. actually looked quite sharp. And yeah, he said, yeah. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of how it turned out. He's like, I can't leave my head looking like this. I've got to go get it done properly. So he, he went and uh, sorted himself out. I think he's pulling it off, actually, that look. It's a, it's a good look. It's a nice look. And then it's weird because then you see the, the black in the beard and it's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> It's a nice look. It it's is. Nice look. Mate, the back end of the regular season is upon us. Uh, a little bit of a break mm -hmm. then into semis and finals. What, what are some of the keys, do you think, for you guys in the London Raw to make sure you're hitting your stride come finals time? As we spoke about, you know, I, we definitely think, and I know you feel the same way, that people are going to be hitting their stride come finals and swimming really fast. What are the keys yeah. between now and then to making sure we, we do that? I think when everybody goes back, we're going to have such a different schedule. Some people are going into the World Cups, um, getting more racing than other people are going to go back home and um, really just put in the training. Um, I think it's a lot easier now knowing where we are, having a foundation and just working from that. Um, so we know what we need to work on. We know if it's endurance or sprint or reactions. Um, so I think that will really help fine tune us for Eindhoven um, and just really help us with the playoffs. Absolutely. If you could change or improve, let's say improve, because I don't want to say it's bad. Let's, if you could improve one thing about the ISL moving forward, what would it be? What would you teach oh my if you were in charge of it? Dude, dude. <laughs> Four by 50 relays. That mixed relay? Yeah. Four by 50. Mike, I get the 4 by 50 at the end if there's a tie, but you can always do that for a freestyle. So four by 50 freestyle at the end. Mm. But now with the four, I like that they changed it from the four by 100 free, just giving it a switch. So yeah. now I have to do, now I have an extra hundred breaststroke um, on the second day, which is great. However, <laughs> when I'm when I'm on the block and I have Ilya beside me and Felipe and just like people who go like 55s in the hundred breasts, I want to do a 50. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I can be more competitive. Yeah. Because yeah. we're two seconds apart in the 50s. So I'm like, okay, but the hundred. <sighs> but yeah, all right, 50. 
really for go. sure. There you go, ISL, if you're listening. I mean, listen to the, the wise words of Ali Atkinson. Now, uh, well, what, about, what about the jackpots, mate? Are you, are you a fan of the jackpots? Obviously, it, it didn't quite go the London Roar's way, and, and that seems to be a little bit of the tipping yeah. point. We saw the same thing in, I think, match seven was, was very similar between Toronto and, and Cali as well. Yeah. Um when you get the jackpot, it's great. When you're jackpotted, <laughs> you feel it. <laughs> you feel it. Um, I like how it brings excitement to the sport. I like how it can change um, the level of the points. So you can't really just write it down because you don't know if somebody's going to be jackpotted or not. So it has that um, unexpected feeling towards it. I'm not a huge fan of taking people's money away because I understand swimming a 400 IM and then you got jackpotted so you swap it for no reason. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of that. Um, <laughs> But things are still working out, but I, I do enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I think as season three, so, you know, many, many other sporting organizations around the world, you look at some of the stuff here in, in Australia and you look at the NFL and all that sort of stuff in America, they're many, many, many years into their seasons and many kinks and stuff have been ironed out. So I think, um, you know, what season three looks like at the ISL right now, season 10 might look a little bit different and we might start to tinker with a few of those things and work out some better formulas, I hope. Uh, mate, before we go... Oh. Hey. 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 Yeah, it oh. was frozen for a while. Oh my god. Bloody Wi-Fi, I tell you. It's a it's a pain. I have in ten more minutes. Yeah, I no, have ten more right. minutes. You're all right, mate. Now um before we go, um obviously and I'm I'm not telling you to wind your career up anytime soon, but we've got a stacked card coming up in twenty twenty two. We've got, you know, only three more years now. Well, not even three, really. It's it's not it's yeah. two and a bit years till 2024 in Paris. Are you excited for the racing still to come? And, and how are you sort of pushing yourself to those next limits to, to keep charging forward? So I am actually retiring in December. Oh. So I'll be done in 2021. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I feel for me, I'm, I'm appreciating every race, um, every pain that I feel. I'm like, oh, this is the last time. Um, type of deal. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited. Um, I think it does release that level of anxiety as well. Um, just what is will be. That's it. if it's for me, it's for me. Um, but also just seeing what the body can do and just just empty out that tank <laughs> every last drop. <laughs> yeah. What well, plans for for when you finish up in December? Obviously, you want to have a bit of a break and have some time to yourself. I don't know what you, yeah. if you can travel or anything at the moment during these crazy COVID times, but what, have yeah. you got any plans for it? Yeah. Um, one, going back on that FINA train and seeing what I can do. Um, I have a lot of yep. proposals that I want to get started for a four-year program, well, three-year program now, um, just to help the transitioning um, of the new athletes coming up in Jamaica. Um, just help, help build a more tangible developmental program for them. Mm. Um, I think that's that's more paperwork stuff behind the scenes stuff is where I probably will be heading. Um, just keeping keeping focused with that. Um, yeah, I'm not cutting my ties with the pool altogether, but and as an athlete, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, well, mate, you deserve it. As I said, five you know Olympic preparations over 21 years, and you know that that is just a crazy achievement. So you definitely deserve a bit of downtime, that's for sure. And I'll leave you with this question. How proud are you of what you've been able to achieve coming from a country where, as we said, swimming 
isn't too prevalent. It doesn't get a lot of media attention. Being a world yeah. record holder, world champion, pushing boundaries and, and giving people, you know, who, you know, not just Jamaicans, but other countries that are, are less sort of fortunate in terms of what they've got access to. You know, you've been that sort of, uh, you know, show of inspiration to them to say, well, hang on a second. You know, if, if I really dream it and I believe it and I work hard for it, I can achieve yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it's truly something fantastic. Growing up, I just wanted to be the best in the sport. I just wanted to be the best Jamaican female. Then I wanted to be the best Jamaican and beat all the boys and then the best in the Caribbean and then the best at school. And I think that's all it was, just trying to be the best in whatever arena I was in. And slowly but surely, it just got to the point where I was on the international scene and I was really the best of the best. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't something I initially thought of. It wasn't something I was like, I'm going to go to five Olympics. It was just one year at a time, one Olympics at a time. And looking back at my career, it's so fantastic because I, I thought I was swimming to put Jamaica on the map um, and just to see what I could do. But in the long run, it's helped motivate so many people that I didn't even realize, um, motivated uh, more Jamaicans and more Caribbean swimmers, um, more um, African nations and the Pacific Islanders. So many of them came out and just um, sharing their journeys with me and what they got, what they went through. Um, with the whole Black Lives Matter and, and representation, um, I'm seeing it more now because of um, because the pool is more uh, Caucasian filled. Yeah. Um, and so that idea of having a color filled pool is, is something that is tangible. Um, right now we have about three or four um, people of color in the pool um, at the ISL and it's growing, definitely growing. Um, but I think in the next maybe five years, if the ISL keeps on going and keeps on producing more, more athletes, we'll be able to see that. Um, so definitely um, it's something that I don't want to stop. I definitely want to ride the wave and I think I can do more more good from behind the scenes um, and having new representation and new faces come up and just perpetuate that idea that um, we can do anything if we try. So we shouldn't be afraid to try. Absolutely. Those are some wise words. And Fina would be absolutely stupid to not get you on board, mate, to help drive through the initiatives that you have in mind. Um, you know, as I said to you, not everyone just goes to five Olympic games. So you're clearly um, <laughs> in a class of your own. As I said, I think that'd be silly to not have you on board. Thank you very much for coming and spending some time with me today. I know you're, you're busy. You've got to jump off in a second. So I just wanted to say thank you very much. I appreciate it, um, you know, and, and, you know, with your end of career, not far away. Thank you very much for, for all the, uh, you know, the wonderful memories that you've given us in the pool and, and clearly um, you're not done yet. You've got some great ideas. I can already see you haven't told us, but I can tell you've got you and you're excited <laughs> about these ideas that you want to implement and try and help. So I'm excited to see where you take that, but thank you very much for everything you've done. Thank you very much for coming on off the block swimming podcast. And hopefully we can get you back on again for another chat in the future Indeed. and maybe we can talk about some of those uh ideas that you want to implement and see if we can make some differences so thank you very much i would love to i would love to thank you very much for having me thank you have a great day you too bye-bye today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at pro swim workouts thank you all once again for downloading the show today your continued support is always 
appreciated. And don't forget to check out our other weekly podcast, the OTB Crew Podcast, where I'm joined each week by Lani Pallister, Lachlan Carter, and Josh Edward-Smith. We talk a whole lot of swimming. The crew give their own unique insider perspective on what's going on in the world of swimming, as well as special guest Olympians joining the show for some fun. We also talk music, movies, other sports, and generally just have a good laugh. If you're looking for a fresh swimming podcast with a bit of mainstream twist to it, this is definitely the one for you. Join us every Thursday on Spotify and Apple Podcast for all the fun. I'm not afraid of the dark.